In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Most of you probably don't know this, but throughout my whole life, I have suffered with migraines. If you too know of this somewhat unpredictable, inexplicable cycle of pain, then you probably know about all the ways in which migraines can rear their heads into your lives. Whether it's light and noise sensitivity or ocular symptoms or auras, each migraine has a different set of symptoms for each person who suffers with them. There is one common migraine symptom that I have only experienced once in my life. This one is, is a bizarre one, and it's called an ocular migraine. If you're familiar with them, they cause sudden blindness. It is painless, and it goes away with medication and rest, but it's incredibly disorienting. The one time I experienced this, I was teaching a pre-kindergarten classroom, and I don't know if you know this about kids, but you need to see them <laughs> to be able to care for them. So half of my vision goes blank. And after a brief panic, I realized that what was happening was something I knew of, but I'd never experienced. This sort of temporary blindness. In our lesson from Acts, we hear one of the most dramatic conversion stories there is as Saul finds himself temporarily blind as well. Saul is perhaps the greatest persecutor of the Christians in the first century. Today we hear that he even goes and gets permission to bind and tie up all the Christians and bring them to punishment for the beliefs that they have. Saul is essentially a bloodthirsty bounty hunter who spends his whole life in this violent search and persecution of Christians. Just before he and his partners in crime get to Damascus, a bright light flashes all around him, and as he enters the very presence of God, and Christ speaks to him and asks why he would persecute God. And Saul is confused, because he has not been persecuting God, he thought he was doing God's will and persecuting Christians. The light is gone, and he'll see the light, but he's unable to see. And his partners, though they did not see the light, heard the voice of Christ. And together they made their way to Damascus, disoriented and confused. Rather than going on their planned rampage against all those following in the way, Paul, Saul sat for three days, unable to see and unwilling to drink or to eat from shock. The story of Saul's conversion is one that is key not only to Luke, who repeats it three times in the book of Acts, which we hear throughout the Easter season, but also to the history of Christianity. Saul, who would undergo a name change shortly after his baptism, to become Paul is the author of most of our holy scriptures in the New Testament. This is the hinge point for one of the greatest evangelists and pastors of the early church. But what I love about Luke's account is that it doesn't stop with Saul's conversion. 
Luke goes on to tell us that after Saul's road to Damascus experience, God speaks to a disciple in that very city, Ananias. Lord, the Lord tells Ananias to go to Saul to lay his hands upon him and heal him of his blindness. And in one of my favorite and authentic responses to God, Ananias kind of says, thanks but no thanks. He, like all the other Christians in Damascus, knew of Saul's reign of terror and the fact that he had gotten blanket permission from the authorities to bind and capture all who professed Christ's name. But the Lord nonetheless tells him to go, and the faithful disciple goes. What kills me about this, what really gets me about this, is that when Saul, when he greets Saul, he greets him not in anger for all the people he's killed or in frustration from the way in which he is persecuting people of his faith. But he calls him Brother Saul, a term of endearment and shared faith in early Christianity. And Ananias, as God has commanded him, lays his hands upon his head. He is healed. Saul is baptized and immediately begins proclaiming the good news. In Christian history, this is often called the conversion of Paul, but as I prayed through this well-known text, put to Ananias' tenderly drawn, not to Saul's blinding conversion, but to Ananias' hesitant faithfulness. It was this disciple's faithfulness that welcomed Saul into his new life of faith. It was Ananias who was so comfortable in his prayer life with God that he was willing to articulate his own hesitation about where God was sending him. Ananias' faithfulness is not as miraculous or spectacular as Paul's conversion, but it is his trust in God's call to me that shines just as bright. Ananias was not just willing to risk his life and place his hands upon Saul's head, who had just three days ago plans to murder him. But he greets them and calls him brother. It is the faithfulness of this action that reminds me that sometimes when God calls us, it is to places we do not want to go. And it is Ananias' humility of his willingness to greet someone in the way that God sees them, not in the way that they may fear them. And all of this, all of Ananias' hesitant faithfulness makes me ask how I live out my own discipleship. And if in this holy text, Ananias reminds us that sometimes God calls us to places we don't want to go, Saul's conversion reminds us that sometimes discipleship means giving up something that is important to how we navigate the world. So much of Saul's identity was built around persecuting Christians. And it's easy to vilify him from where we stand today. But he was likely doing these terrible actions thinking that it was God who called him to that. 
God doesn't explain why Paul, why Saul, is chosen. Or why Christ intercedes in his life in this way or at this moment. But what we know from this story and from Christian history is that Paul was indeed one of the greatest leaders to spread the good news. It is Saul and his intensity that show us that when God calls us, it might mean abandoning things that have become foundational to who we are when we realize that they do not align with God's love. It is Paul and his willingness to sit with the unknown for three blind days and to consider and pray on the things he heard from the Lord that ask us what might be standing in the way of our own discipleship. In the rhythm of the liturgical year, Lent asks us to reorient ourselves to God by self-examination and prayer to consider how we are relating to God. And if that's true, then Eastertide, these great 50 days between Easter and Pentecost, following the Christ, us to take seriously our discipleship and our following of the crucified and resurrected Messiah. There is perhaps no greater story than the conversion of Paul and the conviction of Ananias to help us center our sense of discipleship during this early Easter season. A reminder that when we are attentive to God's call, we might have to give up the things that we think are helping us when we realize that they don't align with God's love. And we might be called to go to places where we feel uncomfortable. This story from Acts is a reminder that our life of discipleship is one where we will have continual conversions back to God. And in that, we will be drawn by our faithful convictions out into uncomfortable places. This story of conversion and conviction asks all of us who proclaim to be disciples of Christ how we might be changed by our willingness to follow God's call and share the good news. The past two weeks in our campus ministry group, I have posed the question to our college students. How are you different because you are a Christian? My answer is the same and is very simple. If I were not convicted to love people, I would hate people. I love people because I am convicted to do so. But there's lots of other nuances to that as well. So this is the question I ask you. How are you different because you are a Christian? Not metaphorically, but truly. How are you different because you follow Christ? This story asks us how we might live in calling us men joy of Eastertide. It asks us to see where God might be calling us next. And this is my prayer, that we hold Saul's conversion and Ananias' conviction as examples in our own lives of faith. Because God might be calling us to give something up, to give up those things that stand in our way to the places we might not want to go.
but we know and we believe that when we go with God, we are always going where we are meant to go. Amen.